Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today, where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hi there and welcome back to another episode of Raising Resilient Teens. Today I'm joined by the Elvis Presley of guests, Miss Regina Gulbenis. And I say that because I was literally so excited that I just sent out a request one day and that was what I put in it. I said, like, literally, if you will say yes, it will be the Elvis Presley of of yeses and I felt so excited because you snapshotted it and you put it on my st- on your story and um yes yeah, so thank you I um I'm so glad to have you here today I'm very excited um Regina's bio is extensive and I will I'll just read it for the audience so so they get a um understanding After spending 17 years as a corporate turnaround specialist and guiding over 100 corporations back to financial profitability, Regina expanded her business into the online space. She now also works with online female entrepreneurs, guiding them to unapologetically step into their original blueprint, activate their brilliance, and in turn, blow up their income. Her clients do not pay her for time. They are paying her for 20 years of experience, helping businesses generate millions. Together, they collapse time around possibility. That's the first part of her bio. And the second part, which um, which probably relates more back to our podcast, at 29, Regina filed for divorce from her husband and walked out literally, leaving everything behind except full custody of her two daughters. Regina would then struggle through an extremely difficult and financially devastating three-year divorce process that tore her and her children's lives apart to the tune of $2 million by her ex-husband and father of the children. This left Regina 100% financially responsible for her and the two children as they began to rebuild their life after losing everything, including a place to live because of the debt. She fought her way back one day at a time and has entirely restored her life while helping others restore theirs. Wow. And I just saw your, like your face, like your facial expression, um, Without a doubt, resilience was built up very quickly, and and it's and it's amazing. So, over to you, really. How do you feel when someone reads the buyer that you send back to you? Because um, it's always different when someone else reads them in their words, I suppose. You know, I'm fighting back the tears as you read it because uh, I left 15 years ago. I'm 44 now, and as you read this, it doesn't, number one, like part of it doesn't feel like it was me because it was such chaos, such a traumatic experience. Part of it, I felt really bad for the girl who had to go through this, which is myself. And part of it is I felt proud for the girl who's become a woman through that process. So uh, you're right. You saw my face. I got tears in my eyes. It's um, uh, because now I'm fully healed and I've processed it to hear this from that perspective, like an outside perspective now, it's it's a lot of emotions. And um, 
I'm proud. You know, these are the things we usually are ashamed of. Uh, and I used to be so ashamed of that story, but I'm so proud of that story now to be standing here now. So the, the face you saw was 15 years compiled into one, one emotion of pride, sadness, excitement, honor to be here now and just all of the things. Um, often we find ourselves with our back against the wall and the lowest of low before we can find, I suppose, the real potential that we're totally capable of. Um, For you, your back was very much against the wall. And, like, how did you feel at, at that time, if you can remember, like it was 15 years ago, and with two tiny children, how has it impacted your life and their life? You know, it's interesting. Um, I was numb, just emotionally and mentally numb. So I left an abusive marriage and he did take three years to devastate it to the tune of $2 million. So that was systematically done. And it was very scary. I was only 29 when I left, two small kids. And when you're in that space, it is so hard to even imagine that you're going to be okay one day because you're literally watching somebody that promised to love and to honor you take your life apart you know and it's very scary and it's you know now at 44 god forbid if i had the experience i'm more mature emotional intelligence i have more life experience but when you're 29 like how much do you know when it comes to such a tragic environment you know so it was uh it was hard it it was really a day at a time because in the top on top of that um, there were threats to kidnap my kids back to his country. There were like, my tires were slashed. I mean, uh, I mean, it's just, there's a whole story behind it. So looking back now, literally a day at a time and sometimes an hour at a time, because I couldn't process a day at a time because on top of navigating the divorce and all the things I was running and supporting anywhere from seven to 12, 15 companies at the same time. I still had that responsibility uh, I had a responsibility of two kids uh, and my kids were always in a lot of activities and sports. Like I didn't let them sit around and watch TV all day. So I had that and that and that and that. And it was a lot of it was an autopilot. But for me, it was two options. It was very black and white. I either go back to the marriage because he told me, if you come back, this will stop. Like I will stop terrorizing you if you come back. So I had the option of coming. He, he flat out told me that in court, if you come back, this stops. So I had the option to go back or had the option to see how far I can take this. Because once I've left, I didn't leave to go back. I was just about to ask, was there ever a moment that you just God, went, you know, oh, my God, this is way too much, and maybe it is better if I do go back? You know, I had moments, what if I go back, but not because it was too much, because I'm very traditional and I wanted the marriage to succeed. I believe the good in people. I felt like maybe he had a good side to him. We were together for 13 years, but it didn't, you know, it wasn't like a five minute relationship. But every time the woman in me felt sad for what used to be, he would do something so horrendous to remind me that going back is not an option. I'm grateful that he continued to be the way that he was. But I never wanted to go back because it was scary. I, I'm just not the personality that backs down. So like if you if life squeezes me, I'll push harder. So at that point, it was about 
uh, what am I like? What are we going to do? Okay, we're here now, and that's just my personality. We're here now, so now what? Yeah, I yeah. don't play the victim. Thank it's not my it. style, right? So now what? So what? Okay, so this is this is really really bad. So now what? And now what? I get up every day. I take my kids to school. Uh, I take care of my clients. A lot of sleepless nights. A lot of uh, packs of cigarettes. I used to smoke like a chimney then <laughs> because of stress. Uh, literally, no sleeping for two three nights in a row. It was just the cigarette, like it was nonstop. And uh, because the level of stress and the level of fear, it's very scary with the things that were happening, you know, restraining orders, police. I mean, it was bad. Um, You know, when people ask me how I did it, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I just did it a a day at a time. That's the honest. That's the honest answer. I just did it a day at a time. I did have those questions as well, and there's times that, um, like when I was going through my situation with Harry being the drug dealer, the drug taker, living away from home for two years, not not talking to me, um, and really shutting me out of his life and getting him back around that now we chat every day, we're texting, we're sending pictures. Um, people have said to me, you know, how did you do it? I don't think I could have done it. And my answer was, you know, and is very similar to yours that you don't know. And if someone came to me with an exact same situation, I wouldn't be able to say, you know, just this. But I knew that, you know, if I just got through every single day, it would work out because there is no other option. And we don't have like you can't be a mum from Monday to Friday and then check out for Saturday and Sunday when that's, especially when you're in that single mum situation, it's full on 24-7 all the time and, you know, looking back 15 years and I'm only looking back a couple of years, you're still going, I don't know how, but I did it. And actually you don't really, you don't need to know the how at the time. Um you mention a lot in your stories and on Facebook that um, you hold a lot of faith and you attend church regularly. And within um, my mentor, Bob Proctor, he mentions faith over fear a lot as well. And that's um, you're nodding your head and that's very like that got you through. Yeah, you know, I didn't really, I didn't grow up with with faith, with God in my household. So I always knew that there was a God, but I never just, I never had the relationship. And when life really brought me to my knees, like, I, like there was nothing left of me. I was like really just living on autopilot because while things were happening, I never stopped being a great mom. I never stopped making sure my kids uh, go to activities after school. I never stopped doing that. So. I just needed a relationship with God. I needed something bigger than a human being in my life. And I am Jewish, but I couldn't connect through Jewish faith. I just couldn't. And somebody invited me to church one day. And I walked into church. And that was a few years after I left my ex-husband. And I literally felt like I could breathe for the first time. And then I started going to temple on Saturday and church on Sunday. And I did that for years. I did that for years until I... uh, finally realized that while I honor the bloodline uh, of Judaism, I just don't, I don't feel like I belong. I'm not getting this God relationship through Judaism and I was baptized. So I'm in church every week. 
It saved my sanity. And you know what's interesting? The moment I found God, I literally found peace. It's like somebody flipped the switch in that moment. And I just, before I knew mentally that somehow it's going to work out, I didn't understand how. But now I knew mentally it's going to work out, but there was still fear and chaos in my body. Now I knew like at a cellular level, I'm going to be okay. Like literally in an instant. And, like and that an ocean washing over you type thing. Yep. Instantly, instantly. And I really, I remember the day I got baptized. It's like there's this partition between now and then. Uh, I'm in church every week. I lead a Bible study group. I mean, I know what it's done for me. I know what that has done for me. And my life has never been the same. That really has been the foundation I stand on every single day now. And um, I really believe that my experience, our experiences, well, number one, when, when you talk about, we don't know how we're going to do it. This is the interesting thing about humans. Uh, truly, until life really squeezes us, most people will never even try to achieve their potential. Until life really, really, really squeezes you and says, okay, like it's game time. You're in or you're out. Yeah. So when people say, I don't know how, I think that's a lot of crap. We're fighters by nature. We're designed to win, especially if you believe in God. You have to believe in something greater than yourself. I hope so for your sanity and for your sake. And I think that when we're really pushed by life, we really discover who we are. Everybody could have navigated through my situation. There's nothing special about me. I just decided not to throw in the towel on myself and not to quit on my children And I have a life right now that uh, I'm obsessed with, I'm blessed with. But because when life squeezed me, I said, okay, like it's go time. It's go time. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that you wish you knew 15 years ago when you were faced with the situation that you know now? That it's going to be okay. That it's all going to be okay. I would have saved myself so much tears, so much cigarettes not smoked. (laughs) So much, so much stress, so much anxiety, so much. It just, it just works out when you really go first. God does, does show up and assistance is provided. I mean, I've been left with no place to live with all my kids. I've been left with no food on the table. I mean, you, you call it, I've had it. And I always moved through faith and God always showed up. So the only thing I would have done differently now, the only thing I would have been happy the day I would have left them versus being miserable and angry and sad and scared. I would have been as happy as I am right now the day I left him because I wasted a lot of time in fear where biggest lesson, biggest lesson right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. If it's okay with you, I'd like to talk a little bit about your daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, Children in general learn from their parents and model the behaviour that they see us doing all the time. During these early years and the years into teenagerism, how much were you focusing on goals and mindset and them going after what they really wanted? Um, And I'll read later a paragraph that you put up, um, which I specifically want to focus around yeah oh you want to read it later the paragraph um Um, yep no we can read it now so the extract is 
And again, you'll probably have the face. Um, this comes, I think, maybe about four or five months ago, so it's taken me that long to plug up the garage. I'm extremely proud of my daughter. She's been a go-getter, overachiever and a leader her entire life, committed, dedicated and very focused. As she finished her high school journey as magna cum laude, she already has her path planned out. She's been awarded a full scholarship into Boston University where she's majoring in aerospace engineering under the ROTC, Reserve Officers Training Corps. Then off to then off to the Air Force. Then back for her masters and likely a PhD. Then finally off to work for NASA. Working for them has been her dream since she was 5 and she never let go of it. I am extremely proud and feel that I executed my responsibility as a parent to the fullest in setting my daughters in the right path. My beautiful baby, may the Lord bless each moment of your life. My love and pride for you has no measure. Oh, my God, if I could only write like you. I've got a million podcasts. I've never had anybody make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) See, the Elvis Presley of guests. (laughs) You know, I, regardless of what happened, and this is what I hope every mother or father or whoever's going to watch, hear this, regardless of what happened, I never stopped showing up as a parent for my daughters. No matter how much chaos, no matter how much fear, no matter how tired I was, no matter anything, I never stopped showing up as the authority figure. I never stopped leading the household. I never stopped uh, pushing them. I never stopped driving them around. I mean, they're seven years apart. They were in two different schools, two different set of friends, two different sets of activities. Uh, they were in sports and arts and crafts five to six days a week. That's on top of everything I had. And constantly at different places at different times. It was insanity. But I never stopped being a mother. I never stopped being an authority. I let my kids fail all the time. I occasionally would set them up to fail to see if they're going to get out of it. Because I was, I wouldn't set them up to fail like catastrophically, right? I mean, what what could they possibly do when they're a teenager? But I would always be there. I would put them in positions where they had to uh, sink or swim. I prepared them for life, so I was able to separate my chaos from my responsibility. I was very strict. I ran my whole military style. There was no. Uh, playing around. There was no uh, hanging out at the mall. There was no, there was a curfew. They were in bed by 8.30. Um, You know, I didn't, it doesn't matter. You didn't get, you didn't eat your dinner because you were playing. The bedtime is 8.30. So next time, tomorrow, when you go to bed, make sure you get everything done. So I had to be very structured. Otherwise I would lose control of the house. So it is very important to, uh, I think push your kids. It's very important to challenge your kids. It's very important to let your kids fail. Don't bail them out every five minutes. Uh, it's very important to understand when it's th- when they need to get grounded because they need to understand right from wrong. So the, the biggest thing I think I'm proud of as I raise my daughters is no matter what happened, I, I never stopped being a mom. Um, I never tried to be their friend. 
I knew that when they get older, we can be friends. For now, they need a parent. I was the only parent. I I didn't I couldn't be their friend. And honestly, I didn't care to be their friend. I had a, I had a job. God gave me an assignment of two daughters. My job was to be their parent. Now, when they're eighteen and twenty five, now when I've raised them as quality uh, human beings, I get to be their friend. So I I push them. I, I and really do you think? Um, some parents are like friends too early and they don't set those boundaries and, you know, hard limits. Yes, absolutely. And I think part of it is there's a lot of broken homes, a lot of single moms. Uh, We get tired and sometimes it's easier to come home. And if your kid wants to be... uh, 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 wants to be a difficult teenager for a moment. It's easier just to let them because you're so exhausted and you still have to do the laundry. You still have to make dinner. You still have to do. It's easier not to discipline them. But if you miss it once, you're going to miss it twice. I did not care how tired I was. First and foremost, I was a mom and I enforced boundaries. I respect rules, very traditional values in the home, very traditional values. So I, I think it's the most important responsibility. And you know what? Also, uh, I had a decision. I either do everything I can, invest every time, every minute, every dollar, every resource, every every spare second of energy I had into my kids up until they're 18 so that they're quality, productive, high-functioning human beings. And then I don't have to worry about them for the rest of their life because they're they're well off. Or I can kind of, half-assed, if I may say it, and and then have to worry about them for the rest of my life. So I asked myself, what is it going to be? Are you going to buckle down and really uh, run this tight ship uh, the way that you know it needs to be run? And then when they're 18, you can focus on your own life because you know they're okay. Or are you going to raise two human beings that are completely unproductive members in society and then you spend the rest of your life worrying about them? And honestly, I didn't want to do that. I've done my part. My daughters are 18 and 25. They're fully functioning, self-sufficient human beings. I'm only 44 years old and my entire life is now my own. I don't have to worry about my kids. And I think a lot of people stop parenting because, especially single mom, we get tired. And I get it. We just get tired. And, uh, uh, you know, if you do this, this one thing very, very well, it's going to pay off so well down the line. As a child and a teenager yourself, was that the way that you were brought up by your parents, like with that strict, tight tight running of the ship, I suppose? You know, it's interesting. I don't have a relationship with my parents. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom wasn't a good relationship, just wasn't a good mom to me. So there was no like abuse or anything horrific like that. I don't, absolutely not. Just it wasn't a healthy relationship. Just she's not that person who could have given it to me. So I was raised by my grandparents, practically, specifically my grandfather. And he was very uh, kind, loving, very uh, traditional in values, honor, respect, friendship, all of those things. And while he didn't really necessarily run an extremely tight ship, um, he instilled respect in me for adults, for authority. So he didn't have to run a tight ship. I knew to show up 
uh, with respect, with honor, with dignity. And uh, it was just a, it was just a given. I loved them so much and respected that man so much that uh, there is no other way I would show up for him. He's dedicated his entire life to me and then to my daughters before he passed away. So uh, I think that instilled a lot in me as well. But also, my grandfather led me with so much love, but he would let me fail. He would let me fall. He would let me make mistakes. Um, and he would always tell me, you're always going to get up. You're always going to succeed. There is no such thing as failure. So I know what that type of upbringing does for a child because I know how I turned out. So I had a good example of letting your kids fail, letting them get up, being strict, um, having rules and things like that. So my grandfather did that with me and I'm so glad. Yeah. So I know being a product of that, I know that I wanted my daughters to be a product of that as well, a reflection of me. And they are now, I see it. They're, they're a reflection of my grandfather, of how he raised us. You mentioned in that um, in that paragraph that your daughter's been a go-getter, overachiever, and a leader her entire life. And one of the lessons that I work through my clients with is is all around that leader being the most valuable person. Can you share your take on what a leader is like in your world? Uh, when it comes to a child or when it comes to an adult? Um, both. Okay. So my daughters are different. One is not necessarily a leader personality, my 25-year-old. And I raised her more to accommodate and nurture who she is. My little one, since the day she was born, natural born leader, overachiever, that's just the personality. And I raised her that way. So while I love them the same, I raised them differently. I pushed her harder. I would set her up in more challenging situations. Um... I would not let her off the hook. I would challenge her more because I knew. And now when she goes like, my mom, you were always so hard on me. You were pushing me. I said, I, I knew what you are. My job was to cultivate you, that in you. And my job was to breathe you for leadership. I said, I know exactly what I was doing. And she's actually become that. She is like, uh, she's like a force. She's an absolute force now because of the way that that are razor. So I think it's important. Um, part of that, part of the leadership, honestly, when it comes to kids is let them make their decisions, let them make their mistakes, let them enjoy the consequences of their mistakes. Let them uh, go, don't nurture them, don't cuddle them, don't, yeah. don't protect them from life. Don't do that. I would even, uh, even with my, especially with my little one, she would want something and the answer would be no. It was like a hard no, but she like really wanted it. And I would tell her, if you disobey me, there's going to be consequences. And she goes, mom, but I really want this. I'm like, well, figure out a few forms of consequences for yourself. Bring it to me. And I would make her negotiate with me her punishment. Like we would have a discussion. She yeah. would say, okay, take my phone away for a week or no TV for three days. And, you know, so we would negotiate because she, she really, she wants what she wants. But if you want what you want, there's sometimes there is a price. And I would tell her, figure out the price, 
that you that, that you think it's worth it for you to actually get that and still get uh, consequences for oh, she bringing the punishment first. She had to. She would have to bring it to me, and I, and then I, maybe I would I would make it a little bit more or something like that. But I wanted her to negotiate me. Yep. I wanted her to have the conversation with an adult. I wanted her to come to the table and say, I'm willing to pay the price for what I want because that's life. In order for me to live an abusive marriage that I wanted to leave, my price was the chaos that I had to endure. Children need to know that there is the, uh, that there is, uh, the opposite side when we want some, some, some things. There will be the opposite side. Can you negotiate on the other side of it? And I would make her negotiate with me. And then we would kind of, you know, negotiate the, on, on her on her uh, punishment, so to speak, or like what's going to get taken away or maybe no friends for a week. And I was okay with that because she learned, she learned to sacrifice, she learned to negotiate, and she learned to trade. Those are very powerful skills. You need to know how to talk to people. You need to know how to negotiate what you want without upsetting other people. So she would have to negotiate me, but in a way that... It wouldn't be disrespectful to me. It wouldn't piss me off. It wouldn't irritate me. I would make her talk to me like she's she's doing a transaction for for a, a business transaction. How do you come to the table? You have to work out that works for both parties. And for adults and leaders, how do you know if they're leaders? Um, honestly, you just feel when somebody is the leader and they come to the table. It's how they sit. It's how they walk. It's how they talk. It's how they show up. It's the language that they use. It's the conversation. It's uh, how quickly do they unplug? How quickly do they, you know, pull their hand off the table? It's just, um, you know, a leader is a leader. It's undeniable. It's and undeniable. Some, pe- some people are and some people aren't. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. The, the story that you were talking about, your two children being being different and you teaching them to ask for, you know, stuff as they go through it, resonated with me because both my children, Harry and Addie, they're complete polar opposites, raised both the same way, but um, Addie's definitely got that leader mentality and um, a story of mine like we'd go to a restaurant and Addie or Harry, they'd go, oh, you know, I want, you know, can I have tomato sauce with my chips and to be well, sure, just ask the, you know, the waiter and he'll bring you some chips. And Harry be like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I don't want sauce. And Addie being the other, the complete opposite, she'd be like, well, I really want sauce. So she'd get up out of a chair and she'd walk over and, you know, excuse me, can I have some sauce? And they'd be like, oh, sure, no worries, and come over and um, just, yeah, two different two different personalities taking complete charge of, of the same situation. Um, and it's really set her up now that she's got no qualms going and talking to adults if she's got a question and she'll raise those questions and she'll um, challenge situations to the to the best of her ability and it's, you know, I kind of sit back going, yeah, she's my mm-hmm. daughter, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, it, it brings a good point. You know, sometimes we want to help our kids, but sometimes helping them is not really helping them. Like if he if, if, if the child really wants tomato sauce and doesn't want to ask for it. OK, then you don't get tomato sauce. Right. They need to learn how to. Get it. It's very simple. I don't think a lot of people are cuddling their kids. And here's the thing, especially going through divorce, when we go through challenging situations, we want to compensate. 
we want to cuddle our kids. Yeah. And I did that a little bit too. I'm sure I did, but it doesn't necessarily help them. It doesn't help them. So I agree with what you're saying a hundred percent. And at the time you were working in inverted commas, a nine to five job, how soon after you separated and you were a single mom with two kids, did you make that further split to um, launch your own business and, and go out by yourself? Well, I, I, it wasn't a nine to five. I worked with reorganizing companies. I worked sometimes eight, 10, 12 hour days. Right. So after 17 years of that, I just three years ago came into the online space. I've spent since 2004 uh, and I left them in 2007. Since 2004, I've spent, uh, no, since 2002, forgive me, for the last 20 years, I've spent reorganizing failing companies. So that was another challenge because it wasn't an eight to five. It was literally seven days a week. And sometimes it was just, it was craziness. It was absolute craziness. And then three years ago, I went into the online space. Never looked back? Huh? Never looked back? No, no. You know, um, I love what I do working with large companies. I love it, love it, love it. But I knew that. As my kids are getting older, as my little one was about to become 18 and she was going to go to college, um, I want to get married again. I want to date. I want to live my life. I don't want to work 12 hours a day. It's Working online is very different than reorganizing a company that's $5 million in debt and has to go through federal court and has to go through bankruptcy. That's a whole different animal. And um, I started three years ago preparing myself to uh, sh- preparing myself for the life I have now. So yep. I was thinking ahead and I never look back, never in a million years. I um, love it. It's been massively beneficial. Business is growing. It's fantastic. I think I know what the answer is, but I will ask it. When you had your back against the wall with two tiny children, did you foresee your daughter graduating with honours, receiving a full scholarship, heading off to uni, and then going to NASA? Never in my lifetime. I never even thought, right. you know, I was able to even put my little one, not my older one, it was too soon after divorce when she was in, in high school, but I was even able to put her through one of the best uh, private schools in, in, in where I'm at. Never in a million years. If you would have told me that... I could put it through private schools. Uh, I would have the life I have. I would get rid of all the debt. I would be as happy as I am. As con- if, if you would have told me 10% of the life I have and what I've done for my kids and who they are today, never in a million years I would have believed it. Because when you're sitting d- deep in chaos and death and fear, it is very hard to see the other side of it. It is impossible to see that there is going to be a happy moment again. It's very challenging. Never in a million years could I, could my mind could comprehend it. Never. Mm -mm. What is one of the highlights of your, um, what's been one of your highlights as your, as a role of a mother and of a, of a successful businesswoman in your career now? The biggest highlights for me is showing my daughter what it means to never uh, settle in life and in business. Being able to show my daughters what it looks like to walk away from something that's bad for you is, is a very powerful example. 
being able to show your daughters that what faith looks like in the face of chaos is a very powerful example. Being able to show my daughters that three years ago, I could cut off my income for up to $20,000 a month as a single mom, fully cut it to zero and move into the online space and already create a multi-multi-six-figure cash business is a great example for my daughters. Yeah, absolutely. And career-wise, your highlight? I always bet on myself. Or are you still getting there? My no 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 I'm I'm answering your question. Uh, the career-wise highlight is the fact that I always bet on myself. That is my biggest highlight. That I always bet on myself. I will always go all in on myself. I know that I'm always gonna uh, win. Um, I don't necessarily know how, but I just always know that I will. So the big and also showing my daughters what's possible in this lifetime. And it's very interesting. I've been able to show them what it's like when you choose yourself and you want to be happy, what it's like to walk away from everything and be okay, what it's like to choose shift work, for example, and still be okay, where it was very scary to to make that move. So so the biggest highlight in in my career has always been being able to bet on myself and show up for myself because everything else is just a byproduct. And, and. Um, I'm proud of the fact that I've spent 20 years building businesses and reorganizing companies, and I barely have a high school education. I have a two-year uh, degree in fashion merchandising. Nobody even, I don't even know where the certificate is. I don't, no, seriously, it, it's just, a, you know, might as well be a napkin. I used to clean my nose, like nobody cares. Um, I've really gone in on myself, and I have showed up every single day to the table saying, okay, God, like, I'm in. I'm in and I've done insane things and saved a lot of over a hundred multi-millionaire companies from closing, you know, just a little, just a girl who was 22, 24 years old when I started with no trading on education. So that is my highlight of my career, being able to sit here, having served so many people, saved tens of thousands of jobs, saved so many businesses, helped so many female entrepreneurs online right now. In spite of everything that's gone on, to be here today, right now, in this moment, is the highlight, honestly. This is the highlight to sit in this moment and know that I've had that experience. And I'm only 44. I feel like I have another lifetime to live. How important is it for you and for your clients uh, is mindset and mindset work? There is no business without mindset work. Yeah. There's no business. There is no life. There is no business. There is there is nothing. And it's very interesting because everybody comes into the online space initially says, I want the strategy. And then they get the strategy. They're like, but I don't believe I can do this. So maybe you need to start with mindset. So mindset is always the first step. You you can bypass it, but uh, you're still going gonna to go in circles until you actually nail that first. What does Regina's morning routine look like? And I know uh, you live I know you live in a beautiful location and I and I know what like your afternoon kind of looks like like once you've done all like all your podcasts and all your coaching sessions and all your social media and it's correct me if I'm wrong sitting under a beautiful tree on a hill just going wow I'm done. So I'm interested to hear how you start, yeah, how you start your morning. 
You know, um, I'm not huge on journaling. I know a lot of people like to journal. I'll uh, occasionally meditate, but often my morning also starts the, the, the same way that I end my day. I have my cup of coffee. I go sit on the hill overlooking the mountains underneath a, a, a beautiful, like, like a hundred year old oak tree. And I just feel the wind in my face. And very often recently, I, even this morning, I find myself crying with gratitude. I find myself really crying. I feel like crying right now. I've never been in a place in my life where not I feel 100% grateful, not because everything is perfect, but because I understand life. I understand life. I understand that in, in reality, so few things in life really matters. So for me, if my children are healthy and if my children are with me when there was a threat of kidnapping, I, I'm, ha- I'm happy. Like, I am good. When you've experienced that type of fear as a mother, nothing else matters. So often some meditation, um, tears of gratitude, not intentional, just to sit on a hill with a cup of coffee, uh, feeling the wind in your face and the breeze in your hair, and really know where you are and where you've come from. And you get to help other women and maybe men get to that state. That's part of it. And um, I listen to a lot of, I consume a lot of content, but I am very intentional. I don't consume just free masterclasses. I don't consume content on social media. I don't follow every every person online. I am very specific to who I listen to, very business-oriented. Um, so like I was getting, uh, getting uh, when I get ready for podcasts and certain things, I will listen to business interviews from like people that are high up, you know, uh, in business. So uh, that those are really my routines. I feed my mind every single day. And people have told me a lot, like, I don't have time to do this. I'm like, that that's baloney. You know, like I was doing my dishes yesterday and I was listening to Joe Dispenza while I'm doing my dishes for 45 minutes. Uh, I was feeding my mind. So my morning routine is um, getting focused, getting centered, um, uh, clearing the noise, not engaging with the chaos, staying a lot off of social media, uh, being focused on my mission and my business right now. Um, that's really it. I mean, there's really no magic to it. And I go, and I just get up and sometimes just go to work. I, I love what I do. I mean, go to work. I put on my robe and I go to my computer. It's not like I travel. <laughs> you, know. you mentioned earlier that you have um, a diploma or a certificate in fashion was it fashion merchandising was like the fashion merchandising um and one of my like two questions to go what's one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you so that's that's mine but is there another is there another hidden thing the biggest surprise honestly that nobody believes until they start talking to me about business is the fact that I have done what I've done in the last 20 years without formal training or education they're blown away because when people start talking to me about business, I know I have the intelligence of a, like a high level CEO because I've done reorganizing companies, not the same as building. It's not like you're building them from zero. You're building yes. them from five, 10 million dollars in debt. That's a whole Gosh. different animal. That's a federal court process that's shot. That's a bankruptcy. So people are shocked to surprise that uh, I managed to do all that. So um, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I'm mind blown. Um, to wrap it up, and thank you, thank you so much. I've been so excited. Um, what is one piece of advice that you 
could share to parents when they're about to launch into the 1825 days of their child being a teenager? Patience. Do not stop being a parent. They will exhaust you out of your mind. They will suck the life out of you. They will drain you. They will push you to the edge of, of, of sanity. Do not stop being a parent because it's easier to stop and not to deal with them. One thing one of my best friend's mom told me, I used to sit my daughters down and I used to talk to them. They called it lecturing them. I called it talking to them and they would argue back. And I, after having a 12 hour day, the last thing I want is any talk back from, from a kid. And I and they would roll their eyes and they like teenagers have the teenagers have the ability to roll their eyes like to the back of their head. I don't know Absolutely. how they it's like you go, it's like they go round like in a cartoon, <laughs> just round and round. Sort of like like a slot machine in Vegas, just round and round. <laughs> and um, I remember she told me, she said, Listen, stop talking to them back and forth. When they argue with you, they roll their eyes. Just tell them you're gonna sit down. You're going to listen to the discipline or to whatever it is I have to tell you. And you don't even have to respond to me. In fact, I'm asking you not to respond to me, but you're going to listen to me until I'm done. That is one of the best things I've ever done. And here's why. Number one, we avoided a lot of arguments. Number two, I still said what I needed to say to them as a parent. And number three, now when they're 18, and especially with my 25-year-old, I see the reflection. She literally repeats to me the things I told her 10, 15 years ago. Because I said, we don't have to argue. You don't have to respond to me, but you are going to listen. That is one of the biggest things. And another thing I think with teenagers is have boundaries. My children were not allowed to speak to me or address me if they were yelling, screaming out of control. I would not engage in an argument. When you calm down, then you can come and you can speak to me. Yeah. You go, you don't come into my office. You don't come into my bedroom yelling and screaming. Like that's not going to rule here. You or, or, or you can, but there is zero response for me. So you have to have boundaries for your children. I cannot, I cannot talk to you when you scream at me. I cannot even respond to you. Another thing that I did when it came to like slamming doors, yelling back, I mean, like if my kids were slam doors, uh, I'm like, okay, so we don't know how to properly close a door. Let's go practice. And they would literally have to close the door 10 times calmly. And if they get irritated and slam it like on time number nine, I'm like, no problem. We start again. And I would just sit on their bedroom. Uh, in, in their bedroom and oh, they I have that oh my god yes and if we come to school and you slam the car door because you're angry oh you better believe one of them stood there 10 times like an idiot closing the door said you don't want to be embarrassed act like a normal human being problem solved so enforce the rules enforce the boundaries and especially for single moms and i keep saying it because i was there there Sorry. are days of home we're just so tired. We don't want to deal with it. But I'm telling you, don't ever stop being a parent. And later on, the kids will thank you. They will thank you because they they need a parent. 
And even though they're yelling at us, they're screaming at us, they're out of their mind, they're scared, they can't process their emotions, that's really what it is. They still need us to be their, their mom and their dad. They still need us to be their mom and their dad. So that was a very long answer to a very short question. But no, it was amazing. Thank you. And a perfect, perfect ending to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm I can't wait to edit it, even though it'll probably take me five seconds to edit. Um, I appreciate your time. We're done. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. It was great. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao.